Hello, welcome to GM Crypto with the Coin Fund team. We've spent years as a multi-strategy investment firm focused on blockchain. So join us to unpack complex ecosystem trends and hear from the founders shaping the future of Web3. Please subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Twitter at CoinFund underscore IO. Please note that none of the following should be taken as investment advice. See coinfund.io slash disclaimers for more important information. Hello and welcome to GM Crypto. I'm Kelsey, CoinFund CMO, and today we have Austin with us, one of our partners. Hey, Austin, how's it going today? Hey, Kelsey, going great. Always fun to be in the midst of everything going on crypto, so never a boring day. Where are you right now, Austin? I'm traveling a little bit, so hopping from place to place, usually calling the East Coast my home, but I have been pretty nonstop going to conferences. Was an AVAC summit for Barcelona. Then there was all the activity related to BTC Miami, SALT FTX conference towards the end of the month. So it's been a lot of fun really digging into a whole bunch of different ecosystems. Nonstop excitement. And I know you had mentioned in our conversation before, there's been a lot happening with gaming. I'd love to hear a little bit more about the different token economies you are seeing and what might need to change to sustain growth. One of the things we talked about last time was these first implementations of play to earn games and economies that have largely been driven by some really innovative token economic incentives that have brought in tons of users. And it really startled people how many users they brought in with Axie Infinity getting up to, I believe at one point it was 2.7 million daily active users and a lot of other play to earn games, including DeFi Kingdom, Krabada, and others seeing similar success, or at least looking like they're on that trajectory. But one of the things that We've learned newer PDE games, as well as existing ones, are taking into account as far as what they can do to adjust their models is the high inflationary pressures of their in-game token, such as SLP for Axie Infinity or TUS, for example, for Krabada, have made it really difficult where the price of those tokens have declined based on high emissions. And then that's made it less profitable and less attractive to play the game. So what we're seeing now is a shift to dynamic emission models, where based on how many players are playing game, the level of activity within a given game, as well as the different supply and demand factors more broadly in the play to earn economies, shifting and making those emission cycles dynamic will create many more levers for the economic alignment between asset owners, as well as players within the game, as well as just token holders in general to stay invested and to stay interested and to make sure that the level of economic participation stays high. That's one thing that I'm seeing that's really exciting, but still pretty early days. Another thing that's interesting related to the Avalanche ecosystem is the shift of play-to-earn games moving from being just an application deployed on a generalized smart contracting layer like the C-Chain to deploying on their own subnets. And that's something that DeFi Kingdom went live with a couple of weeks ago. Krabada and their swimmer network is going live in a few weeks. And that gives P2E games another lever where they can actually integrate the in-game token into the base layer itself, where 
now the token from the game can actually be a gas token as well that's used to power this bespoke base layer blockchain that the games are now living on, which also creates a whole bunch more demand for the tokens. I think that's really interesting. And where are you seeing these different games acquiring new users? Is this happening at big conferences? Are there really targeted community building efforts? Is it on crypto Twitter? How are people finding out about this and how are they learning how to engage? It's really all over the place. I would say the two primary areas are crypto Twitter and Discord at this point. On crypto Twitter, you're following all of the people that are looking the same things as you, and then you see something else interesting that happens. And it's really, really easy to go down these rabbit holes, pulling on one thread and discovering some really cool things. And then on the other side, on Discord, there's more vertical specific conversations that are happening, whether it's related to one particular game or tie-ins between one game and another game. And there's a lot of discovery that happens there as well. It's not quite at the point where we're seeing broad adoption through conferences or even through SEO or more mainstream customer acquisition channels. But I think that's something that will definitely happen in the not too distant future. Exactly. And outside of crypto, Twitter, and Discord, do the games themselves have a social aspect or are individuals more playing on their own and hoping to earn? A lot of it has been at least initially playing on their own, but social aspects are something that are increasingly taking a larger and larger role. One thing right off the bat is there's often leaderboards. So maybe it's not collaborative gameplay, but there's definitely a competitive element and people want to try and climb to the top of the leaderboards. One game where it actually has been somewhat collaborative is Wolf Game, which is a game that's been around for a couple months on Ethereum. It started off by acquiring wolves and sheep, and you could shear the sheep for wool, which was the native token of the ecosystem. But now there's a very interesting gameplay that's evolved there where certain alpha wolves can pull together groups of other wolves and sheep. And there's a very game theoretical environment that's developed where you can attack and defend and a whole bunch of actions. And then you have to pick which wolf or which group that you're going to support and stand behind. So definitely seeing a whole bunch more on the collaborative side. And do you think the games that allow for more of this collaborative aspect to the gameplay will be potentially more successful in the long term? Or is there enough diversity in how people wish to engage with these games that you don't necessarily need to evolve in that particular way? For one, there's definitely enough diversity where you can see a whole bunch of different approaches become really successful. But we live in a very, very social world. If you look at Facebook as an example, it has 2.9 billion monthly active users. And Facebook is probably the thing that's least exciting these days as far as new forms of social media. I think the games that end up integrating features that are the most social will likely be the most successful by attracting users that are looking for social engagement beyond just gameplay itself. I'd love to pivot a little bit into what is the latest and what is exciting about NFTs right now to you? A couple different things. One is Azuki. I think Azukis are really, really exciting and feels like it's really hit a tipping point of finding 
very meaningful, broad-based adoption and cultural buy-in, along with, of course, bored apes and crypto punks. Azuki recently dropped their beans, which started off actually as a drop, which was a box and dirt that was called something official that no one really knew what it was. Now they've morphed into beans, but still there's a lot of different theories on what they'll end up becoming. But I think at a high level, people expect that it'll be at least somewhat similar to what Bored Apes did with the Mutant Ape Yacht Club and that next development of the ecosystem to pull in new users. Azuki is for sure the category leader in PFPs related to anime art, which beyond crypto is a massive, massive category. And within crypto, a lot of people are really, really into anime. I have an Azuki and I'm not selling my Azuki anytime soon. I love it. And I've had it off and on as my Twitter PFP for a while. I think we're just a couple of days away from seeing what the beans are officially revealed as and really excited to see what that is. But on the other hand, There's another project that's been really exciting to see how it's evolved, and that's Ghostly Ghosts. Ghostly Ghosts is the first NFT project that's truly multi-chain by building on Layer Zero's omni-chain messaging protocol. And what Ghostly Ghosts is, is it was free to mint, and it could be minted on seven different chains. And you don't need to create a wrapped version to move the NFT from one chain to another leverages layer zero and it can move as a native asset. For example, Polygon to Avalanche to Ethereum to BSC to Optimism. And the really interesting thing is when you move it from one chain to another, the data characteristics of the NFT change as well. So it actually looks a little bit different when it's moved from one chain to another. But then also on top of that, it creates a whole bunch of interesting opportunities that weren't really possible before, where now you can have NFT pricing arbitrage, for example, where say ghostly ghosts are an open sea, but then the floor price is higher on an exchange on another chain. You can move it to that other chain to sell it to get a higher floor price or conversely buy it on one chain where the floor price is lower and sell it somewhere else. So it's creating a lot of really interesting market dynamics that we haven't seen before. It sounds like that adds a whole other layer to how to engage with and interact with your NFTs. And that's a really, really interesting trend that I think we'll start seeing more of. And just for anyone that hasn't seen a ghostly ghost, what do they look like? It kind of aligns with the crypto aesthetic of something that's not very ornate and looks almost hand-drawn, but has a whole bunch of different items on it. They look a little bit spooky and some of them look friendly. Some of them look ominous. There's a mix. I got one that has a dystopian face mask. It almost looks like the face mask that Bane is wearing in Batman. That's the one that I picked up. Oh, wow. I think yours is a little on the spookier side. I can't wait to see more of them. And Austin, thank you so much for joining us today. We'll have you on again soon to hear all about these different conferences that you're visiting and understanding some of the trends from there. But always wonderful to have you on. Great to be here. 